Uh, how do you follow that? I don't know. So, hey, it's Mother's Day. If you are a mom, a grandma, a great grandma, a foster mom, a stepmom, uh, will you stand? All of our campuses join together. Will you stand up and just let, let's give honor to the moms in the room today and online? Let's give it up. Come on. Stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up, stay up. So here's the thing. So when I grew up in this little, go ahead and sit down, sorry, sorry. So I grew up in this little church where like, like my dad would get up here and go like, okay, oldest mom in the house. And she's like 150, you know, and most kids, and she had like a dozen, you know, and whatever. And then it got awkward, like youngest mom. And she's like 12. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he's like, we're not going to do that. But uh, I would like to pray for you, right? So uh, whether your mom's here or not, um, or on the other side of the country, like mom, let's just, uh, let's just pray for that real quick. So God, this moment right now, uh, we, sometimes we have to have a holiday to remind us to slow down and say thank you to somebody really important. That's our mom. Um, we're not making saints out of our mom. We're not saying our moms are perfect, but boy, nobody loves us like her. And you put her in our life. And, uh, and if not mom, you put somebody else in our life to step into that role. And we just want to give you thanks for that, for that woman in our life uh, who's, who's taught us, who's guided us, who's corrected us, um, who showed us what um, unconditional love is. And, and uh, again, we just don't want this moment to slip by before we just take a time out and go, hey God, thank you for this woman in my life. Help me honor her well today. If that's a phone call, if that's a text, if that's sending Amazon across the world, whatever that is, but maybe just looking in her eyes and just saying, just so you know, I, I do love you. And that's all she's waiting on. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's give it up for the moms one more time. Come on, give it up. Woo! All right. I'm really excited about today. Hey, so I don't know if this is a Mother's Day announcement or whatever, but it's a gift to everybody. Uh, so um, back when COVID started, everybody, boo. All right, anyway, but it's over. But anyway, um, and a lot, you know, we, we closed down church for a while and then we, we backed off services and stuff for, for a while. And you guys have been asking and asking and we're saying, we're waiting, we're waiting, we're waiting. But I wanna announce that on September 9th, that's a, the Saturday after Labor Day, here at the Lafayette campus, we're bringing back Saturday night services, all right? So, yeah. So that's Lafayette. All the other campuses just went, huh? Right, we hate Lafayette. Anyway, uh, you don't, you don't. I know you don't, but uh, so God is just moving in this place. And you know, a lot of people left Flatirons over, over COVID and stuff like that. And you know, I hope they found a really good church out there somewhere and they're doing well. They can come back anytime they want. But I'm so excited about what God's doing in this place, drawing more and more new families into this place. And, and God has a plan for this place and we are moving on and, and, our, and our rooms are, 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 are filling up and our kids' ministry is filling up again. So Saturday, uh, the, September the 9th, the 2nd, so it's a Saturday after Labor Day. We're gonna launch one Saturday night service here at Lafayette and then we'll look at other campuses about what they need. Now, here's, I need two things from you, all right? One is we don't, I think I can tell by the little ovation there that some of you are interested in that, but on the screen right now is, is, a, is a text number, 80857. If you or your family think you'd be interested in moving to Saturday night, I just need you to do that right now. Text word, right now. You, you know, you're going out to lunch, you're gonna have some mimosas, you're not gonna remember this, all right? So, so text the word Saturday to 80857. They didn't commit you to anything except, yeah, hey, we're interested in maybe checking out more about Saturday night. I'll be talking about that over the next several weeks. During the nine o'clock service, we had almost a thousand people say, yeah, I'm interested in that too. So at at other campuses, sometimes if you can't make it to your campus on Sunday and you want to make the trip to Lafayette, we'll have a, we'll have a Saturday night service here. The other thing is when we, when we say, okay, we're starting a Saturday night service, what we're basically saying is we're planning another church because whatever happens to make this happen, we have to have all that on a Saturday night, which means all these, all these teams are going to have to do this too. We're going to have to have a new parking lot. We're going to have a kids ministry. We're going to have students. We're going to have all these things that go on on a Sunday. We're going to do that on Saturday. So we're going to be coming 
coming to you saying, hey, we need you to step up and, and, and serve, not just you know, consume. And so that's coming over the next several weeks, but I'm really, really, really excited about it, okay? So today, um, I wanna jump right into today's teaching. We're in this series and we're unpacking some Proverbs or some wise sayings written by or collected by the third king of Israel, named Solomon. And while I'm gonna refer to the book of Proverbs several times throughout this talk, the actual verses that I want to, to unpack with you today around moms and stuff like that won't come uh, until the end. We'll get to Proverbs, but at the very end. Now, I wanna tell you this. I haven't spoken in three weeks, and so I've taken three sermons and crammed them into one. I'm gonna talk really, really, really fast. The sign language people have cramps. Like they were like, I'm locked up. I can't keep up with them anyway. So I'm gonna do three sermons today in three sections, three audiences. And so one of them will apply to you. The first I'm gonna spend some time on, I wanna look at at marriage and parenting. And if you're not there yet, uh, uh, you might wanna file this away for someday you might be there. Or if you're already through that season of life going, I already did that, I've, I've moved on. Here's what I want you to do. If this doesn't really apply to your season of life, I want you to look back and, and remember this. What went right, what went wrong, and what did you learn from it? Because even if it was chaos or it was wonderful, there's still, God taught us something in there that's useful today, all right? Next, I wanna talk to anybody who has parents. That's, unless you're hatched or something, right? Right. That's you, okay? So in everybody, no matter how old you are or whether you live under your parents' roof now, I'm really gonna lean into you, all right? But again, just as the first one, if you're going, I haven't lived at home for a long, long, long time, I want you to look back, go, what went right, what went wrong, what did God teach me about him and about me or whatever that is, okay? And finally, because it's Mother's Day, all right, I'm gonna end up, I wanna talk to, to women and to moms, and this will apply to you, ladies, you know, whether you're dating, whether you're a mom, whether you're single, whatever that is, all right, all right? But, but more than anything, I'm gonna talk to the, the men and the, and the family members who are attached to you, all right? So we're gonna get to you, but right at the very end, got it? So here's what I want everybody to do, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm gonna talk really fast. So the best way to take notes at Flatters is get your phone out and take pictures of the screen because there's gold today. I mean, it's gold. You're gonna, I wanna remember that and you're gonna misquote it and post it and then I'm gonna get emails about my heretic. So get it right if you're gonna post it, all right? So, so I want you to keep something in mind. It's a truth. It's not a Bible verse, but it's a, it's a reality found cover to cover in the Bible. When I put it up here, you're gonna go, yeah, yeah I can see that. Here's, here's what I want you to keep in mind the whole day. Through a very flawed system and through very flawed people, God is still able to do and accomplish all that he sets out to do. You gotta let that sink in. Through very flawed people and a flawed system, flawed world, right? God still is gonna do what he wants to do. Meaning, everything that I'm gonna unpack for you today will happen in a flawed, imperfect, broken world, right? Maybe family, maybe marriage, whatever that is, right? And it will happen through flawed, imperfect, don't get it right all the time, people, but God still chooses to do his work through people like us in the realities, not the fantasies, the realities that we live in every day. So nobody gets a pass today. Nobody can listen to what I'm saying today and go like, I can't do that. I'm not good enough for that. Or I've already screwed up too much. Right? Listen, if anywhere in what I'm saying today, that comes up in you, all right, then I want you to really lean in because here's what, God wants to do something in your life. And if you feel like you're disqualified when he does it, there will be no doubt who pulled it off. You're not that good, right? So if God does something in your life, he'll get all the credit for it because you're like, I didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I couldn't do that on my own, okay? So we're gonna have a lot of history today. I'm gonna breeze through things really, really, really fast. Everything I'm gonna talk about today could have its own series, but I don't have time to do that. So super quick history lesson, all right? I don't have it, call it this, call it a Snapchat summary of the Bible. 
right? So you're like, oh, I know what that means, right? And, you know, so I mean, I'm going to give you the first five chapters of the Bible really, really, really quick, all right? In the beginning, in order to image himself, all right, in his creation, God created man, male, man, the male man, huh? uh, and, and woman, female, in his likeness and in his image, and then he brought that man and that woman together and he made them one. And that, that the, the word for that, the Hebrew word for the two shall become one, the Hebrew word is echad. Everybody say echad. Okay, you gotta do it like a good Jewish person and spit on the head in front of you, all right? Echad, all right? Lugie it up there, right, right, right. So it means, it means one, it means glued them together. He took two things, he took him and her and he glued them together and made your new thing. And he called this thing marriage and he called it very good. And the reason that he called it very good was because marriage, as God intended it when he created it, is marriage is a picture of Trinity. One God, we have one God, but our God manifests himself as Father, Holy Spirit, and, and Son. Same God, all right? Same thing with us, husband, wife, joined together with the Spirit, God, all right? And, and in this Trinity, God is on display. I'll unpack that, right? God is on, and I know that sounds a little weird, a little mysterious, and a little spiritual, but that's because it is. But it's also why marriage is such a big deal. It was when God created it. It's a big deal now. It's why it's under attack, because it's a big deal, because it's spiritual. And it's also why, why when a marriage pulls apart, when, when a cod breaks up, it's the most painful thing you'll ever go through. If you're attached to that, if it's your parents, if it's your kids, whatever that is, a cod hurts like nothing else when it, when it breaks apart. And marriage goes wrong when sin enters the picture. Don't freak out by that. Sin, by definition, is anything that is different or disagrees with what God says is right, true, and good. Meaning this, God says, hey, Jim, Robin, do this. And we respond, no, we're gonna do something else. That's sin, right? And if you know the story of creation, sin entered the picture when the man and the woman looked back at God and they said, we can run our lives better without you. And then when they tried to do that, the description of the relationship went from they were naked and unashamed, meaning no hiding, no insecurity, were totally confident to be with one another, all the way over to they hid. They hid from God, they hid from one another, they covered up, they blamed, they felt fear for the first time. Wasn't well, meant to be that way, but this is what happens. And the curse, you've always heard the, the fall or the curse, the curse the fall on men and women back then and it still happens today when we reject God is, is this. This is gonna explain a lot of what's going on in our life. How about this? She, and by she I mean every woman who breathes or has ever breathed, she will do whatever she believes that she needs to do to feel loved and safe and he will do whatever he believes that he needs to do to feel respected and strong. You just think about it, Right? Now, they could have found that from God if they just would have stuck with God, but they will choose and we will continue to choose everything but God to make ourselves feel loved and to make ourselves feel important. We do it. Without God in the center of their lives and in the center of their marriage, they will use both blame, they'll manipulate one another, and they'll use whatever power they have to achieve what they believe that they need, usually at his or hers expense. I want to feel loved, I'll do what I have to do. I want to feel important and strong, I'll do what I have to do. But when God moves back into the center of that man and that woman and that marriage, Trinity is imaged again. And in that Trinity, Paul, in Ephesians chapter five, describes the type of marriage that when she feels the love from her husband, it will remind her of the kind of love that Jesus has for her. And, and when, when, when she respects him, he will have the confidence that his wife actually trusts him. 
as provider and protector. This is what Jesus refers to when ask, he's asked a question. Hey, Jesus, when can people get divorced? And I'm not gonna talk about that because Jesus didn't. He didn't talk about divorce. He just reminded them of what marriage was designed to be in the beginning. This is Jesus. He says, have you not read? It's in chapter three, all right? That he, God, who created them from the beginning, made them male and female and said, therefore, because I made them, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become, and the word is, God, one, one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. What therefore God has joined together, let not man or people separate. God joins a man and a woman together, imaging Trinity. And when it's working, this is the, this is the key right here, it will remind everybody close by who's watching this marriage, this is what God is like. That's what marriage is. It's supposed to remind one another and everybody close to you, this is what God, this is love. This is respect. We're gonna land here in just a few minutes, but this is it. Your marriage, or if you're single and you wanna get married someday, this is what you're holding out for, right? Your marriage will be a portrait of the destination, right? Remember that, marriage. It's a portrait of this is what God's like. Now look at this, we're in Genesis chapter five, all right? Don't even turn there, you can look at it later, write it down if you want. Genesis chapter five says this, this is the book of the generations of Adam. So this is the people that came after Adam. When God created mankind, he made him in the likeness of God. Male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he named them mankind when they were created. Now look at this, all right? When Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son, and what's that next phrase? Read it. In his own likeness, in his image, and named him Seth. I've read the Bible for years. I just breezed right over that. Now, so now, if you look at it, we have children that are being raised that are now one generation removed from the original likeness and image of God, which means these, these kids, their closest lens to see the image and the likeness of God is what they see in their parents. Now, time out here to be clear. I'm not saying that a child is any less an image bearer or a likeness bearer of God than his parents are. I'm saying this, is that the way, the way that a child perceives or first comprehends what God is like will be by watching whatever his mom and dad are reflecting and what they are like when they interact with one another and when they in, in their marriage or, or with God or, or with them as their parents. So this makes sense, right? When we read throughout scripture, God referred to as Father God, and he's in there a lot. Father God, for some of us, we read that and go, awesome, because we had a good dad. Right? We had a loving, strong, present, protective dad. For some of us, like on Easter, when we read through the prodigal son story, we think of the times that our dad welcomed us back after we just were a wreck, and he, just, and he let us back in, in the house. But for some of us, we hear Father God, and we jump right to another father that will leave me. Another father that will hurt me or make promises to me and then break them just like this dad does or did. See, my picture, my portrait of God that comes to mind when I'm a child anyway is, is he kind of like my dad? Now, throughout scripture several times, God is compared to a lot of things like a mama bear protecting her cubs, right? Or, or a hen gathering her, her chicks to protect them. Throughout the book of Proverbs, whenever wisdom is referred to, it's the female pronoun. She, wisdom is a she, sometimes the voice of, of a mother. And for some of us, we can look back and go, man, that's my mom. My mom was like, she's like a Jedi knight. She just knew stuff. Like, I don't know how she knew that. There's no way she knew that. But she's like, oh, yeah, she knew, all right? She knew when to say the right thing. She knew when to not say the right thing. She just knew. But also in Proverbs, we also see things like sexual temptation and foolishness and lying and deceit, also given the pronoun of a, of a woman. And some of us are going, that's my mom. 
My mom was all over the map. Absent, vain, narcissistic, selfish, cared about anyone and everything but me. Now, time out. Let me talk to parents, both moms and dads. Because if I were you, and I was listening to someone like me say what I just said, I'd be sitting in here in one of our campuses right now going, well, that's a lot of pressure. That's a lot of responsibility because, Pastor Jim, I hear, I think what you're saying is that, that I as the parent, I am the primary, if not the only, but the primary influencer of how my children see God by what's going on in my life, both public and private, in church, out of church, how we interact with each other as, 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 as parents, uh, how they perceive that we see them. Hey, time out, Jim. Listen, I'm not sure that's what I signed up for when I decided to be a parent. I get it. I'm a parent. I'm a pop-up. I'm a grandpa, all right, right, right? So this feels very, very heavy, okay? So if you're taking notes, write, write this down. Too bad. <laughs> Tough, right? Tough, right? Whether you realized it or not, it is what you signed up for because it is the reality that God created. God has hardwired us as his image bearers to search for God, to search for truth, to look for the image of God. And we look around and our parents are the biggest and earliest influencers in our search for God, for better or worse. Again, all through Proverbs, there are, this could be its own series too, there are all these commands to parents. A wise parent, a wise mom, a wise dad guides their children, disciplines their children, corrects their children, shepherds their children. And a parent, right, ready for this? A parent who doesn't, Discipline their children. A parent who checks out on their, on their children, who doesn't guide them, here's what Solomon says, you hate them. If you've just given up on your kids and they're running feral, it's because you've given, you, you, the Bible says you hate them. So well, I don't hate, well. I love how Crawford Luritz uh, says it. And Dr. Crawford Luritz, he's gonna be here in August. Um, he's one of the wisest preachers I've ever met. Like, if, I'm gonna talk to God about this later. He should get a chapter in Proverbs all his own because this gold falls out of his mouth. Are you? But, but he's gonna, and he's gonna be here in August teaching. So look at this, this is so good. He says, the parents, get your cameras out, all right? The primary role of parents is to prepare their children for an unknown future of which they will not be a part. I'm preparing my kids for a life when I'm not gonna be there. Another time Crawford says this, he says, parents should be the solid floor that a child can stand on, like build their life on, not the ceiling that limits them. That's so, that's this goal. So, so moms, dads, parents, like, if you are, and you are, if you're the primary influencer in how your children see God, and your primary role is to prepare your children for the future, that you're not gonna be there, and if you're sitting here right now feeling overwhelmed or, or unprepared or disqualified, so what are you gonna do? Where do you start? Because I, I don't want anybody walking out of here going, I just feel shame and condemnation right now. It's the worst dad ever. No, that, no, you didn't have to come to church to feel like that, right? We want to lift some of that from you. So here, first, take a breath. Let's, your children, I think I speak for all the children in the, in the universe, all right? Your children do not expect perfection, right? They don't expect perfection. Here, they do expect you to not quit, or give up or bail on them, no matter what. In all my years of ministry, and I was a student pastor for over 22 years, in all my years of doing student ministry, not one kid that I had in my youth group has ever come back to me as an adult and said, you know what? I still can't get over the mistake that my mom or dad made 15 years ago. They, not, zero have come to me. The only thing they can't get over is, I look back and I remember the day my dad left and I never heard from him again. Or gave up on me, or my mom, whatever, right? Closely followed by this, and that's why I don't trust God. He's gonna do the same thing. You see what I'm talking about, right? So do not quit on your kids because they're frustrating or hard or confusing. They are, because they're children. 
Do not blame the courts or your ex-husband or ex-wife or the custody battle as that's the reason I lost contact with my child. Even if your child lives on another side of the country, your children should never be able to look back and go, and that's when my dad gave up. That's when I never heard from my mom again. Do not use the most common parent cop outline. Well, she's 15 or she's 16. That's, that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna do that anyway, so what am I supposed to do? It's just the way the world is. What's parent to do? Here's what the answer is not. Give up on him. Quit on them. Throw up your hands and throw them to the wolves. Even when your children push you aside and disrespect you and disobey you because they're children, please remember this, all right? Parents, and I'm not gonna go on a soapbox here, I want to. Parents, not schools, not coaches, not friends. Parents are the first and last line of defense between them and an enemy who wants to rip them off, kill them, and destroy them. It is you. And sovereign God has entrusted those children to you to demonstrate to them God won't give up on you and neither will I. Let me tell you what that looks like. Sometimes good God's love and his discipline will not make you happy today. And today, mine won't either. So that's why you're grounded. Because I love you. That's why you can't have a phone, because you're 11. That's why you can't take your girlfriend into your, into your bedroom to study. I'm not stupid, all right? Here's why. Because you, you're not gonna get ripped off or killed or destroyed on my watch, so help me God. So if you don't like it, or you don't like me right now, that's okay, because I'm your dad, not your buddy. I'm not just one of the guys that you hang out with, but sovereign God. Hey, wait, wait. Thanks. All right, but... I'm also not your God and I'm not your Holy Spirit, but sovereign God and the Holy Spirit have made me your mom or dad and both God and I love you and we want good for you whether you like it or not or understand it in the moment or not. I'm your dad, I'm your mom. I'm, I, I'm fired up, let's just keep going, all right? I wanna, are you all right? All right, only like 12 people left, all right? All right, I'm a soapbox, all right? all right? I'm gonna call BS on something, all right? On the whole, and I hear this all the time, I just don't want to shove Jesus down my kid's throat like my parents shoved Jesus down my throat. That's why I let them decide if they want to come to church or not or whether they want to play in 47 ball leagues, although they'll never be pro. They're just not that good enough, but I'm entertaining them, whatever that is, all right? That's another sermon, right? Listen, again, I call bull on it, right? Listen, you force everything important down your kid's throat. You force education down your kid's throat. They don't decide if they're gonna go to school or not. It's like, get on the bus, right? You don't force medical, you, you force medical care down your kid's throat. They don't decide if they're gonna go to the ER or the hospital when they're sick or injured. Just get your butt in the car. We're going to the hospital. Yet, yeah, when it comes to the most important, eternal, significant relationship in their life, you play the, well, I don't wanna shove Jesus down their throat like my parents did to me. Listen, what you're referring to that your parents did to you wasn't shoving Jesus down your throat. It was the hypocrisy of what they were saying that you ought to do with your life and you didn't see anything close in their own lives. The solution is not to back off of Jesus, it's to back off your own hypocrisy and start running after Jesus more yourself. And then when they see that integrity, the opposite of hypocrisy, that Jesus is bringing in you and in your life and in your marriage and how you lead and how you shepherd them, they won't see it as shoving Jesus down their throat. They'll see it as my parents are sharing with me the greatest person they've ever met. And I want to know him too. His name is Jesus. That's our role. Second parents, listen, listen, all right. It's, it's Mother's Day lunch. Stop it. All right. So Parents, if you're going to image God, this is the still sermon number one. I got two more, right? So if you're going to image God correctly to your children, write this down, then you had better put in some time getting to know the correct image of God because you cannot reflect what you do not have. Jesse said it really, really well a few weeks ago. Do not, the whole do, do what I say and not what I do, it doesn't work. We saw that through that with our parents, right? I'm going to give you one more Crawford Loritz quote. He's a saint. All right, he says this. Again, parents, this is your screensaver, right? Right here. The essence of parent, parenting is to be a portrait of the destination. 
So that's the goal, right? And he's talking about modeling. I got to model, right? And in other words, whatever I want my children to be, they have to see it in me first. How about this? Whatever I am, that is probably what my kids are going to be too. Right? You go, I don't like that. I know. Me either. So parents, I have, a, I have an honest question for you. All right? And I'll let you off the mat in a minute, right? If you are, and you are, if you are the primary influencer in how your children see and trust God, what are you doing about that? What are you doing on an intentional, regular, daily, and weekly basis to grow in your knowledge and your relationship with God so that you can be a correct portrait of the destination. This is what God is like. And yeah, you know what? Showing up at church today on a consistent basis, that is great. That's so good. But this, I think it's pretty good. But this alone cannot do for you what needs to be done for you on the level that it needs to be done. Heck, I, I, I'm up here more than you. I, I come to church a lot, all right? I teach every week, and this is not enough for me to grow like I need to grow. I need to be in the, in the Word, in the Bible, every day throughout the week, every day. And I personally, this is how I roll, and I'm just talk to some other men. I, I have to be with some other men who are running after the same things that I'm running after. I want to be a great man, a great father, a great husband, a great, I, I do, I do. Last year, right, I, I launched a, a men's movement called The Herd, and about 1,100 guys across the planet have joined up for that. But inside of that, we had 150 men sign up for Herd Strong. They joined 10-man cohorts. We spent the last 90 days reading Proverbs over and over and over before we ever started this series. And they get to twice a month, but they're not like other men's groups in a lot of churches that I've been in before because they're not consumer groups. They're not just, let's get together with some men and get some more Bible stuff and put it on the pile of Bible stuff that we're not already using. I'm done with that, okay? No, these men signed up to go, I want to be a leader. I want to lead myself better. I want to lead my wife better. I want to lead my girlfriend better. I want to lead my children better. I want to lead other men. I want to be a leader in my church. And I'm super proud of these men because they're leading into the responsibilities of men, husbands, and fathers, and we need more of you. Parents, listen, I, okay, I'm not saying that you're a bad parent if you're not pursuing God's word every day or in a group with other people running after God's word, but I am saying if you want to grow in your relationship with God so that you can image him better to the most important people in your life, which is Jesus, right? God's word is the best way, and being in a, in a community of, of other people running after the same things, if, if that's the best, why would you not do that? And I'll, I'll make myself available. Here's my, email me, all right? If you've found something better than God's word, Please email me this week, and I'll preach on that next week. I, I, I promise, right? What could possibly be more important than pouring into what God says this is what it looks like? Okay? Okay, parents, take a breath, all right? Here's the takeaway so far. Don't quit, don't give up, and you are the primary image bearer of God in your children's life, and you can't image what you don't have, so get yourself in a place where you can grow in your relationship with God, in his word, and with other Christian parents running after the same thing, imaging God, okay? All right, kids, Buckle up, okay? I don't care if you're eight or 80, okay? If you're eight, you should be in kids' ministry because you're not, you know, I don't, he's mean, dad. All right, so, all right. Let me talk to kids. What's your role in this? What's your whole role in like, I'm searching for truth. I, I'm searching for the image of God. I'm on that journey, all right? And how does your relationship with your parents play into that? Because it does. So we look at the book of Ephesians where Paul has just painted a picture of a marriage that images the Trinity of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit where a husband loves his wife and it reminds her of Jesus and a wife respects her husband. So that's how chapter five ends. And then we come to Ephesians chapter six and it's just a letter written to some people who live in Ephesus, okay? And Paul says, okay, I wanna talk to kids for a second. He says this, hey, children, I just talked to your parents. I wanna talk to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And so what Paul is saying there is this. Hey, kids, unless your parents are commanding you to sin and disobey God, 
do something that you know God says is wrong, then you have to obey him because it's what? It's right. It agrees with what God says is right. Now, let me tell you, if your parents are telling you to sin and you go, no, I'm not gonna do that, there'll probably be consequences for it. But God says, I'll take care of you. I promise, all right? But he's not done there, right? There's a reason and a way that you are to obey them. Look at verse two there. He says this, honor, still talking to the kids, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. So kids, you are to obey and honor your parents, but look at that part in parentheses there. This is the first commandment with what? A prom- what? What's the promise? The promise is this, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What's that mean? Well, the first commandment with a promise. Um, well, he's referring to the famous 10 commandments found back in Exodus chapter 20. I wanna look at them really, really quick. Don't even bother going there. I'm gonna kind of summarize them. Exodus 20, here's the 10 commandments. The first one goes like this. You shall have no other gods before me. I'm the God, there is no other, all right? Do not worship a graven image or idol. It can't do anything for you, it's a rock, all right? Third one, do not take the Lord's name in vain. Don't take God and just make him common, all right? And keep the Sabbath day holy. Rest honors God. Now, up to this point, all four of these commandments are about honoring God and, and giving God what is due God, right? And then we come to the, to the fifth commandment. Look at the fifth commandment. Should be familiar. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The, the first four commandments are about what is good for God, but this fifth commandment is a promise about what is good for you as a kid. If you'll honor your father and mother, your life will be long, better, fuller in the land and, and the life that is coming to you in the future that God is bringing to you. God is saying, if you will honor your parents now, I will use that for your good in the future in a land and they won't be there. It'll just be you and me. This commandment of honor your parents is for your good has nothing to do with your parents. Now the next five commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness and and don't covet are good for other people but the commitment to honor your parents and obey your parents is good for you. How? Well, the answer is not this. Well, maybe if I honor and obey my parents, my life will be better because they'll get off my back and stop nagging me and bugging me all the time. No, maybe, I don't know, but that's not what he's talking about. As a matter of fact, there is no mention of what your parents may or may not get out of your obedience or your honor towards them. There's not even a mention of you should honor your your mom or your dad if they deserve honor. I just spent 10 minutes hammering your parents, telling them they gotta get their stuff together, but this isn't about them. So unless they're telling you to sin, who and what your parents are, it's not even mentioned in the fifth commandments. Kids, listen, this commandment is about you. What God might be trying to do in your life when he gives you this command, obeying on your parents. And I wanna throw something out for you. You might not have ever thought about it before. Just think about it, pray through it, whatever that is. First, I'll give you some history, okay? So the 10 commandments were given to the Jewish people after they left slavery in Egypt, but right before they crossed the Jordan River and went into the promised land, a land where they would encounter and experience things they had never even knew existed, they never thought about before until they got into that land. And honestly, the parents who were with these kids on the journey were pretty much a train wreck. I mean, a mess. They, they whined the whole time. They complained. They doubted. They wanted to go back to slavery. They, they constantly were questioning, God, are you going to take care of us today? Even though God had done so much already. He had split open the Red Sea and they walked through it on dry land. God had caused water to pour out of a rock when, it was, when they were thirsty. He caused bread to fall out of heaven when they were hungry. God even provided them a cloud to lead them in the day and a pillar of fire to lead them at night. And they went, not enough. 
They saw God, they heard from God, they experienced God, yet it wasn't enough because they, they refused to trust God. They refused to submit to God's authority. And because of that, if you read the story and go back and read it in Exodus, God refused to let an entire generation of parents go into the promised land. You're just gonna wander around till all the parents are dead. And then I'll let the kids in because of the constant rebellion and refusal to honor and obey and submit to God's authority. And in the middle of that, God gives 10 commandments so that the people who eventually do get to the promised land, they'll be able to live and thrive and prosper. And in the middle of those 10 commandments, God says, hey kids, I wanna talk to you. This one's for you because honestly, your parents missed it. But here's the secret for you living well in the future. I am commanding you to voluntarily, you don't have to do this, but it won't work, all right? Voluntarily put yourself under the authority of your parents, your imperfect, flawed, doing the best they can parents, parents that you can see, parents that you can hear, right? I'm commanding you to obey them and honor them now so that later when you're in a land where you're gonna experience and encounter things that you don't even know are coming, they won't be there. But when you're over there, you can hear my voice and you can read my word and you'll be willing to submit yourself to my authority, even though it'll be times where I'm gonna talk to you and you're not gonna understand it and it's not gonna make sense. Here's, what, here's, what I, here's the message to kids, all right? If you are willing to put yourself under imperfect authority now, then later you will be willing to put yourself under my perfect authority and it'll save your life. And I'll throw this in because I, I was 17 once and here's what I, if I was 17, that was, was 100 years ago, but if I was sitting out here and somebody's teaching this stuff to me, I'd be sitting here going, I ain't doing it. I ain't submitting to nobody, all right? I'm not, no, I, I'm not under anybody's authority. Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. Folks, I'm not a prophet, but let me tell you what's gonna happen in your life. A day will come when your life is gonna get really, 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 really hard and difficult and confusing and you're not gonna know what to do, all right? You're gonna find yourself in a really big problem and here's what you're gonna do in the middle of it. You're gonna throw up a prayer to God. God, will you please save me from this mess? And God's gonna respond and he's gonna say, oh, here's what I'm telling you to do and it will not be what you're expecting God to say and you're not gonna do it because nobody's gonna tell me what to do, right? And your problem's gonna get bigger and bigger and bigger but it's not because God didn't tell you what to do. It's because you're not under anyone's authority. See, no one is gonna tell me what to do, to do means this. You already violated the first commandment. You made yourself into a God. You suck as a God. Can I just write that down? You make a horrible God. You know why? You can't save anybody. This is not about if your parents are good or bad. This is not about if your parents understand you or get you or, or, or listen to you or see you. No, no, God is playing a longer game than the immediate emotion of what's going on at your house today. God is much more concerned about a longer game, about developing you into the kind of man and woman who will obey and honor his voice when the time comes and you find yourself in a new land. What are you talking about, Jim? When you go off to college and there's all these voices yelling at you, and you gotta, you gotta find God's voice in all that. When you find yourself on a date or whatever, when you find yourself in a new city and your parents are a thousand miles away, when you, when you try a new job and it's not fair, when you get into a marriage, when you get into a divorce, when you get a diagnosis, hey, I think it's cancer, whatever that is for you, it's like, I never knew that was coming. This is big and scary and I don't know what to do. Let me remind you of that quote earlier from Crawford Loritz, all right? The primary role of parents is to prepare their children for an unknown future, which your parents won't be there. Let me tell you about your future. You will be. You will be. You and God will be part of the unknown future. And learning and, to honor and obey the immediate authority over your life now, as flawed as and imperfect as it may be, is preparing you the right muscle memory, spiritually, right, to prepare you for an unknown future where you're going to be someplace on this planet, and it will just be you and God. 
but you'll be okay because you're the kind of person who listens to, who knows and submits to God. Because you've been practicing this for a long time. Since I was 12, I've been learning to put myself under the right authority. Even the bad one, I learned from that. Okay? Okay, it's Mother's Day. Okay, so I'm almost done. I'm hungry. Here we go. I, I, I want to end today by really leaning into women and moms today. And I'll be honest with you, ladies, okay? When we start working through the, the Proverbs that I'm going to look at today, some of you are going to sit at one of our campuses and go, this is the worst Mother's Day sermon ever, all right? Some of you are already going, it already is, things like that. But, right, but, but ladies, hear that. I'm going to ask you to suspend that judgment because I promise I will turn this thing in your direction at the end. It's what I do, okay? So just, you just be patient, like, mm-hmm, turn it, pastor, right, right, right? Which also means this, hey, men, I need you to practice the spiritual gift that Ben talked about last week, the spiritual gift of shutting up, knowing not, you just look straight ahead, okay? Because prom- if you don't, I promise, it will not go well for you, okay? This is not Mother's Day, you don't remember, all right, right? Got it? Just nod at me. Everybody in or leave? All right, right, okay. Here we go. Oh, here we go, Whew. It is better to live in a corner of the house on the roof than it is in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. I have never heard this verse taught on in church ever, all right? And probably for good reason. I'm pretty sure it's pastoral suicide, right? I mean, even last week, Ben mentioned it. Remember Ben mentioned it as a joke and then he moved on really, really, really quick. But here's the thing. Ben also mentioned this. It's about the Bible, right? If, if something's in there one time, you go like, okay. If it's in there two times, you go, okay, I would probably pay attention to that. If it's in there three or more times in a short span of time, you need to like time out. I need to hit pause and see what's going on. And that verse right there or a version of it is mentioned at least four times in Proverbs. Four times. Solomon says, okay, I'm gonna say it a different way, right? That, that was Proverbs 21, but here it is word for word in 25. It is better to live in a corner of the house hop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Here's a different version of it. How about this? It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and angry woman. Right? <laughs> this, is, this, is the, this is a good one here, right? Ready? A, conti- a, conti- I, uh, a, continually, a continual dripping on a rainy day and a quarrelsome wife are alike. <laughs> to, re- to stop her is to restrain the wind or to grasp oil in one's right hand. Now, let's move on. I know... Some of the ladies are going, <clears throat> turn it, Pastor Jim. All right, so now, <laughs> I know that at first glance, our criticism goes towards the wife and we sympathize with, them, with the man in there. We're like whispering the guy's ear, go, dude, I get it. If I were you, I'd camp on the roof or go to the desert rather than live with that angry, quarrelsome, nagging, dripping faucet of a wife, right? <laughs> I don't want to look at it that way today. I don't want to do that today. Here's my question. Why? Here's what you mean. Why is she so angry? Why is she so quarrelsome and argumentative? Why does she feel like she has to keep on saying the same thing over and over and over and over to get anything to pay, anybody to pay attention or get anything done? And I just wanna throw something out for you to consider. I might be wrong here, but I wouldn't preach it if I didn't think it was right. I want you to turn to Proverbs, if you, if you have your Bible with you, right? I want you to go to Proverbs 30, not 31. Proverbs 31 is the famous Mother's Day chapter that every church in America is preaching on right now. And... of the women are gonna walk out just feeling shamed. I can't live up to that. I don't wanna talk about her. I wanna talk about you, all right? I feel like, all right, I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 30. 
And I, I've read this dozens, hundreds of times in my life, but over the last month, when you read through with the men in my life, this, these verses jumped out at me. Proverbs 30, it's a really cool, very poetic chapter, but I want us to look all the way down at verse 21, all right? Proverbs 30, verse 21, it says this. Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. So what we're about to hear from the writer of Proverbs is three things, if they happen, it's gonna shake the world, and you put the fourth one on that, it's gonna crush everybody involved. Here they are, here's the four things. A slave when he becomes a king, I'll unpack this. A fool when he's filled with food. An unloved woman when she gets a husband. And a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. So let's pick that apart really, really quickly. Let's go to the first one. A slave when he becomes a king. Well, why is that a bad thing? Because this guy has all the responsibility of leading, but he still thinks like a slave. Just tell me what to do. I don't want to make a choice. A fool when he is filled with food. A, a person who can't do anything for themselves, but just expects everybody to hand it to him and provide it for him. An unloved woman when she gets a husband. A woman, a wife, a mother who has a husband or a family, she's not convinced to actually love her. And a maidservant when she displaces her mistress. An arrogant, entitled little girl who thinks she's princess and ought to be queen. So allow me some liberty here of applying these verses to Mother's Day, okay? And if it really offends you, email Ben. Okay, so verse... Under three things the earth trembles, under four it cannot bear up. This is my paraphrase. A passive husband and father who won't lead but just waits for his wife to take care of it, making him good cop and she has to be bad cop. How about this? A spoiled son who doesn't do anything around the house because he thinks his mom exists to be his maid, cook, chauffeur, and bank. A woman, wife, or a mom who doesn't believe that she is loved for who she is but only for what she does and how she performs it. <laughs> An entitled daughter who believes that her mom exists to serve her rather than she should serve her mom. That hasn't crossed her mind. And the rooms go quiet. Proverbs says that under that scenario, the earth will shake. And you got them all. Everybody in the family is going to get crushed. It also describes the typical American family. And that also might be the reason, maybe, why mom is angry all the time. And quarrelsome and comes across as a nag because in her mind, in her experience, if she doesn't get angry, right, and raise her voice and get quarrelsome and remind everybody 50 times to do something, it's not going to get done and she's going to have to do it anyway. And while she would never say this out loud, probably because she's just surrendered that this is the reality of my life right now, and also everybody would just dismiss her and go, that's ridiculous. But in the back of her mind, I wonder if she doesn't really feel Loved. And I don't mean, well, it's Mother's Day. We all love our moms, of course. All right? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about like biblical definition of, of love, right? Does she feel provided for? Does she feel protected and valued? Because if you go back to Genesis chapter three, all women on the planet, right? A woman wants to know she is loved and wanted and safe. And if she doesn't know that, she's gonna get angry. Why? Because she's gotta protect herself because nobody else will. I, I can give an example of that from personal history. And so it's a, it's a story about Robin and I, and uh, I have her permission to share this story. She edited the version that I'm about to give you. So there you go. So, so this is life at my house, okay? Robin, my wife Robin, we've been 39 years this, this summer, right? Robin's biggest need, according to the Bible, is to feel loved and provided for, protected and safe. Primarily, she has to look to God for that, but the way that God has set up marriage, what we covered is, is that God tells her, you can look to Jim for that as, as well. She can depend on me at a certain level for that. And when she knows that safety is in place, Robin feels peace. And when she doesn't feel safe, it would be better for me to go live on the roof, and I will give you an example of that. Okay, so 
A few months ago, I think I shared this at Christmas, we made the decision to buy another puppy. We already have two dogs, but that's just not enough chaos at our house, all right? So we said, we're gonna buy another lab puppy. And, and Rob, we already have two. Robin's mine, she thinks we're getting another yellow lab. We have two yellow labs right now. But I told her, hey, I wanna do something different. I told a breeder to put us down for a, a black lab puppy. Well, she just looked at me like, a few weeks later before our puppy was born, I mentioned to her, hey, remember the puppy is black? And Rob was like, no, it's yellow. I said, no. No, it's always been black. And Rob was like, no, it's not. All right, right. She goes, listen, we just moved into this house. Our, our floors have dark, you know, our, our, we have yellow hair all over our floors. I don't want two different colors of dog hair on, on our floor. I'm like, what? And I'm, and here, are, are you, are you high? What, what, all right. And I, and I'm like, our floors are dark brown already and he's black and it won't even show up. And we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Well, finally we just kind of let it die down. And a few weeks later, I'm getting into bed because I'm really tired. It's like nine o'clock. I said, all right. And I am so tired. I'm going to be asleep in about three minutes. So I lay down. And that began to happen. And about five minutes later, Robin announces, we're not getting a black dog. And I'm like, what? I said, babe, hey, we already talked about this. You go, no, you talked about this, right? And you talk and you talk and you talk and you talk. And I'm not backing down this time. You always talk me into things. It's the same thing. And then she escalated into, and I don't even think you respect me. I'm like, what? Right? I, I, yeah, I, yeah, this is not about getting in my way. I was like, so I, fi I finally, I zoomed back and forth for like hours, it felt like, all right, right? And I just, I just need this to end. So I went, okay, all right. This is what every guy said. I just need this to end. All right, so, so I looked at him. Okay, I will call the breeder tomorrow and we will switch to a yellow lab. She goes, oh, no, no, don't do that to me. Now you're just gonna be passive aggressive and you're gonna hold this over me for the rest of our lives. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> anybody, anybody been in this conversation? Okay, all right, I'm not alone, right? Right, I said, whoa, 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 whoa. So not black, not yellow, right? So I said, in, so in this scenario, I'm pretty much just screwed. And she's like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, fine, all right? But well, we weren't, oh, we weren't through. And then she goes, I want to talk about our money. I'm like, what? How, where you spend a lot of money right now? How can we afford that? So I'm like, what, what? We just sold our house in Erie. We had to do a bunch of repairs and, and that took a bunch of money and we moved out east and we had to pay, you know, for, for this, we had to buy a fence to go around the property so the dogs don't get away and that cost a bunch of money and, and then there's this and that's that, right? And, she goes, and then the, that guy said he'd sell you that skid steer. You had to have a skid steer. How much, how, what, how are you paying for all that? Now we got to put in landscaping. How are you buying this? And, and, and then she said this, and are, are we even tithing? I'm like, what? But, but babe, I showed, I showed you, I showed you our whole financial thing. We saved up and saved up for the last several years. We paid cash for everything that we paid for so far, right? Uh, and and I, I, she goes, well, I don't know about it. I went, you do know about it. I showed you how much we have and where it's going and we spend it. And she goes, I don't remember you showing me that. And then, then I realized, that, right, this isn't really about the color of a dog. <laughs> Guys, I don't have like, aha, Holy Spirit moments, but like, this has nothing to do with fencing, does it? Does it? No. So here's, here's, right. This feels familiar to her. To a time when I made a whole bunch of decisions that she wasn't a part of, they just fell on her. When I dug, I dug us into a financial pit that took us over a decade to dig out of, and during that decade, she didn't feel safe or secure. And this feels like that. So she got mad. So I had to call a timeout and go, hey, wait, wait, wait. This is not about who's right or wrong here. This is not about what's true or not true. This is not about whether or not Robin should feel that way or not. It's irrelevant. This was all about this, right? What does Robin need right now to answer the most important question in a woman, in a wife, in a mom's heart? Do you love me? Do you want me? Am I important and am I safe? Or am I just another person who gets taken for granted and gets all the stuff dumped on her that nobody else wants to do? So, one, one of my favorite quotes from the best TV show of all time, Yellowstone, come on, anybody? 
if you don't watch Yellowstone, I don't know, I'm not sure you're saved. All right, but anyway, but there's this one scene in there. I'm kidding on that, right? Right. So there's this young boy named Carter who makes a big mistake. And so make a, he goes to Beth, the daughter, and, and he brings her flowers. And she just looks at him and she says, hey, Carter, do you know when the best time to bring flowers to a woman is? He goes, no. He goes, when there's no reason at all. Oh, look, there you go, right? Not because it's Mother's Day, not because it's Valentine's Day, not because it's a birthday, right? right? Not when you're trying to make up for a big mistake or butter up for something you wanted to do for you. No, it's just today for no reason. I just wanted to tell you I love you. When was the last time you did something like that? For the woman in your life, for no other reason than, I just want you to know, I just want to demonstrate, I just want to kind of paint a picture of the destination about how loved you are. Now, I'm gonna answer some of the conversation in your head. Look at this. Through a very flawed system and through very flawed people, God is still able to do and accomplish all that he sets out to do. You win. Your mom is a very flawed person. She is doing her best in a flawed world. Let me remind you, you are a very flawed husband, son, and daughter doing your best in a flawed world. And it would be no problem to make a list of all her flaws or all his flaws. You could do that. But today, let's not do that. What could you do today to communicate to her? And if it's not her, because she's not available, maybe she's already gone, maybe whatever, right? you can communicate to someone, they're loved and they're important and they're safe to, with you. And again, why do we have to wait for Mother's Day? There's something on the calendar to, to turn to the, the person that we love. We're frustrated sometimes, they're imperfect, right? But I just need to take a time out and say, hey, way overdue. You're safe with me. So let's all stand up at all of our campuses. I'm gonna pray. We're gonna sing a song. And then some of us have some stuff to do. And I don't know what that is for you. Phone call? People still actually talk on the phone. They don't just text, you're right? This thing makes phone calls? Yeah, uh, right. A phone call, a text, an email. Hey, I need to tell you something. And it's not the list of flaws. She doesn't need your phone call for that. She's rehearsing them today. So we're gonna pray, we're gonna sing, and then whatever God tells you to get out of this room and go do, go do, right? So God, in this moment right now, we can come up with a whole list of why we shouldn't be expected to do this. But you know what? God, your list of why you shouldn't be expected to send Jesus in our direction is much longer. And you did not wait for us to get some stuff together before you came our direction. You came first. You demonstrated your love for us while we were still flawed, while we were still imperfect. And there's no better picture of Jesus than pushing aside all the reasons why not and all the how comes and all the, yeah, but what about this? Pushing those aside and said, I just need to come in your direction and tell you I love you. I'm with you, I'm for you, and you're safe with me. And even if she pushes it away, it goes in. It goes into her heart. So God, we're your people, and we love the people that you love, and we try to take care of and be like you are with people. And so God, in this moment right now, just speak to each one of us individually. Here's what I want you to do with my word today. And then we're gonna go do that. We love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.